Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 13th, 2020, and it's uh, the eve of a Hallmark holiday. So those of you that have your loved ones close, um, I hope you're making plans and you're going to enjoy this Hallmark uh, capitalized day. Today, um, as always, uh, 12 to 2, I'm here bringing you news, unfiltered, completely off the cadence of the mainstream media. And I thought that today it's going to be a little bit of a doozy, you guys. But I'm going to reintroduce things I've written about in the past through other outlets, uh, 2016, 2017, 2018, some that have been scrubbed that were back from oh, a very long time ago, obviously under assumed pen names, okay? But um, today you're going to see what I've been saying for a very long time. You're going to be able to understand when I say... I've had sand in my boots, you know, what that really means. And, you know, you're going to see how things and people that have gone in and out of the administration are, and, you know, that I've talked about, that I've written about or tweeted about on my, you know, personal Twitter account that has now been, you know, defunct that I had for almost 10 years. Um, I haven't tweeted about it much. Um, well, I, I, I've talked about it though, about Dan Coates. We're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to get into four letter agencies that you don't know, four letter agency that Barack Hussein Obama created. And this is coming from a perspective That is very similar to that of Gordon Ramsay when he's teaching you how to boil an egg. Today's going to be very different. Today, I'm going to introduce you to names and people you probably may have heard about from me or from my previous writings. But other than that, nobody talks about them. Names, and this is an unmasking because these are FBI agents, right? This is where you are going to start to understand when I say the three branches of government that we have. Yes, we know the legislative one is corrupt, right? Because we've got the clown puppets in there, you know, the Democrats. But it's always been the judicial arm. And today I'm going to demonstrate that for you so you can understand when I say it where I'm coming from. That way, when you see the news, the propaganda that they push, That you can see it through eyes that have some knowledge of what is done. Now, those of you that have been following me for a very long time know that I am a big talker in regards to executive orders. Those are above the law at the discretion that make or break things in the nation. Now, I talked about the executive order on transition, talked about how the NSC is the problem. But now I'm going to talk about an EO that I've already spoken about, I've already written about years ago, and have talked about to bring it all together for you, to understand how they have weaponized our judicial 
arm in cadence and in cooperation with the FBI and the clown agency creating four letter agencies or three letter agencies you've probably never heard of. And then you're going to understand why I had made that comment a while back where, you know, I was like, I really want to go into a salt cave, but that kind of triggers me and you're going to get it. I'm going to tell you about an arrest that happened in 2018. I wrote about it. I've been talking about it and it seems really odd. And this is how I'm going to introduce you to this, you know, over 25 years in the FBI agent that has been doing things for this shadow local government. Okay. We're not talking the globalist cabal. She's like lower level, Uh, went to school with Peter Strzok's wife. I've got so much to tell you today. So I thought that, you know, considering that my first name is actually after a muse, I play a song from a group called the muse. And yes, they actually use JFK in it, but the words are so great. Have a listen and grab your popcorn. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised.
look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Free and independent. That was what we were intended to be, not people that are ruled, not people that have to abide by what others say. And that is what we are moving away from. Things that make us human because that is detested. And that humanity we have is putting the puzzle pieces together, I think. Uh, I would like to say that that is it. Because for some reason, we have been conditioned to have herd mentality. To approve of only everything they tell us. And remember how I told you that... Ooh, February got concrete boots. Well, that's because there's a reset time. And this is why our president came out swinging now. This lull, right? Slow news day. All they do is talk smack. And you think, well, we're repeating things. We're saying things. And they're seeing that he's regrouping people he got out. Because the only way to take out an enemy so big... That has taken the privy to take innate human rights from you, which is your voice, your thought, your freedom, has to be tricked to think that they have won or they are winning. But as I've said many, many times before, disinformation is important and the timing of that disinformation is the most important But also, how do you herd people to the truth? How do you herd a brainwashed herd into the right gate you want it to go to? And it all comes down with traveling through time, both forward and back, to understand that. And there are many things that are way too out there uh, to talk on national airwaves, right? But we're going to talk about facts, facts that cannot be disputed, facts that have been documented by themselves because they're there. But are you paying attention is the question. So I'm going to revisit something I wrote about. um, Let's see the date of this article. Mm, August 3rd, 2018. And I was talking about Brennan's operatives. Now, not all of them in the articles were Brennan's operatives. Now, Owen, John Brennan, which I have many, many times before said, was the worst person I had ever worked with in my life. But I can tell you that aside from his work within the Middle East, aside from his work in setting up private intelligence agencies, private, and we keep, I keep reminding you that 17 agencies, three, they claim American, only one's really the intelligence agency. And it confuses people. How is the FBI considered an intelligence agency when they're not? And I'm going to tell you how that happens because I've always said that the Central Intelligence Agency has become a black hole of grayness, kind of like we've introduced this gray area of federal government, state government, federal military, state military, right? So 
These are gray areas that bleed into each other. This is why I told you Peter Strzok was never FBI. He was just placed there. They place profiles like, you know, there was one, and I'm not going to mention it today because that's another rabbit hole. And, and Alice is being very naughty today. But <laughs> they place you, and there was someone who supposedly was in the military for 20 years, but didn't really serve, right? So there was paperwork showing that he served and paperwork showing that he didn't serve. And when he got out, he asked to get paid for the time of retiring based on the paperwork showing he served because they couldn't show where he really served. And President Trump was like, nah, man, I know the gray area you were at. You're good. We'll talk about that. Not now. That'll come later. So focusing on Owen, he worked within the Middle East and Europe, set up all these private intelligence firms, but he was also an APAC specialist. China, the Korean Peninsula. I mean, I'm pretty sure Kim Jong-un has never felt so free before. Oh, and he really loved to frequent Hawaii, let's just say. Now, as I've mentioned before, before Obama made him come into the DNI and then the CIA pack, um, the Asian Pacific unit, let's say, was uh, not a pack that we know of the, you know, you know, Jewish lobby. Um, he was in, in, in Asia. That was his domain. So he had a lot of people there. And, you know, you would think handlers for people that were in the Middle East or Eurocom, Africom or whatever, that they would be in those areas. Like you would expect that handlers for European assets or clandestines uh, within Europe, Africa and the Middle East would be located, I don't know, maybe in the annex in Italy, right? I'm just saying, right? Um, but they weren't. Because then that's too obvious, right? You have to mix it up a little bit. So basically you know, your assets will be, I don't know, in Russia and the handler will be somewhere, I don't know, in Venezuela. So I focused on China and why? Because those handlers were elsewhere. And in order to mask what was being said in that article, because sometimes when you publish things too straightforward, you know, you get people like the Daily Beast going after you or, you know, other clowns. So I wanted to bring attention to Jerry. Jerry Shong Xing Li. Jerry Li. He was a handler. And, um, you know, all, all on the books, you know, he was, he was part of the clown agency. Um, and he was an all around great guy. Clean cut, you know, nothing there, right? And then just decided, you know what, you know, I got kids. I just want to go. I'm super done. You know what I'm saying? I just really want to go. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm pulling out and I'm just going to go to China and just live and work for a living. And he was selling cigarettes or he was like some import export thing. Didn't make a lot of money. Very humble lifestyle. Anyway, so now, instead of me telling you what I know from a personal perspective, I'm going to speak to you and tell you reading off the affidavit 
of Kelly O'Brien. And you're going to say, Tori, who is this Kelly O'Brien? Okay. Let me introduce you to Kelly O'Brien. Okay. She's an FBI agent. She's been with the FBI for 26 years now. And her profile in regards to stuff you can find about her is super tidy, way tidier than Peter Strzok Jr.'s because she's first generation. She lives in Alexandria. Uh, she's, uh, she has children. Um, and she is identified as a, uh, you know, agent of counterintelligence where she investigates espionage and who retains classified information. That's supposedly her job. Now, one thing you need to understand is that Kelly O'Brien's husband went to college with Melissa Hodgman, who's Peter Strzok's wife. And he is a contractor, independent contractor in the tech area with Quantico. Okay. Now, Melissa Hodgman, as you know, Peter Strzok's wife at the SEC has had a lot of China fever. And Kelly O'Brien has had a lot of China fever too. And so, you know, here's where it gets weird. So Jerry Lee is working with the clown agency. And um, let me read to you what the special agent said herself. I'm a special agent with the FBI and have been since 1999. Since 1999, I have been assigned to the Washington Field Office. I worked in the criminal division of the Washington Field Office from 99 till 2007. And since 2007, I've been assigned to the counterintelligence division where I investigate offenses involving espionage and the unlawful retention or disclosure of classified information. You know, she's also really into microblogging. Do you know what microblogging is? Yeah, forums, you know, like, I don't know, boards. You know, she investigates all the boards and looks into, I just wanted to point that out. So she says in her affidavit, the facts in the affidavits are based on my personal observations, my training and experience and information obtained from other witnesses and law enforcement agents. So the purpose of this affidavit, she says, based on my training and experience, the facts set forth in this affidavit, there is probable cause to believe that Jerry Chung-Shung Lee, a.k.a. Zhen Xing Lee, Lee violated Title 18793 unlawful retention of national defense information. And so this um, uh, affidavit, you know, criminal complaint and arrest warrant, I'm just going to tell you, was filed... Okay, was filed on January 13th, 2018. Okay, remember that January 2018. You don't even need to know the 13th. I mean, it does. It's very important, the 13th, but it's 2018. So the purpose was to get an arrest warrant and charging Lee with this offense, who, by the way, was sentenced to jail. And we'll go over that in a little bit. According to Executive Order 13526, information in any form may be classified if blah, 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 blah. And where such unauthorized disclosure, blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Probable cause. <laughs> now, this is fun. Lee is a 53-year-old former case officer for the Central Intelligence Agency, currently residing in Hong Kong and employed overseas. 
He's a naturalized U.S. citizen, and Lee served in the Army from 1982 to 1986. Lee graduated Hawaii Pacific University in 92 with a bachelor's degree in international business management and in 1993 received a master's degree in human resource management. He entered the F the CIA in 94. He was a case officer and was trained in like counter surveillance, countermeasure, blah, 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 blah. He has clearances as, as required and Lee's security clearance was terminated in 2007 when he left government service. You know, it's really funny. Almost everyone left between 2005 and 2008. So bizarre. He had, uh, you know, SCI access to sensitive programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So here's where we dive in. He had a career and everything. And they say, okay, now we're talking dates. Remember, this was filed in 2018. Okay. Now we're talking dates. On or about August 10th, 2012. So six years before this was filed, practically. Lee and his family departed Hong Kong and transited back to the United States to live in Northern Virginia. While transiting back to the United States, Lee and his family had a layover in Honolulu, Hawaii for several days. On or about August 11th, the next day after he left, surveillance teams observed Lee staying at a hotel in Honolulu. Lee checked in and stayed at this hotel from August 11th to August 14th. So three days he stayed in Honolulu with his family on like a mini vacation stopover from China, right? So according to the records that were provided to the FBI by the hotel. Now on the 13th, right, the day before he leaves, a court authorized search of Lee's Honolulu hotel and luggage, hotel room and luggage was conducted. Photographs were taken documenting items in Lee's possession. On August 15th, 2012, Lee and his family arrived in Virginia and checked into the hotel in Fairfax, Virginia, within the Eastern District of Virginia. On August 15th, a court authorized search of Lee's hotel room was conducted. So they, so they checked that hotel room and checked the next one after a couple days when he got to D.C. And they determined that Lee was an unauthorized possession of materials relating to the national defense during his hotel stays in Hawaii and Virginia. A review of the photographs taken during the August 13th, 2012 and August 15th, 2012 search in Virginia revealed that during his stay in both hotels, Lee possessed two small books best described as a date book or an address book. Each book contained handwritten notes. During both searches, the books were located inside Lee's luggage in a small, clear plastic travel pack. The photographs of the book were, were reviewed by CIA classification authority who determined that the books contained classified information. The date book contained approximately 49 pages. Only pages with writings were photographed. The date book contained handwritten information pertaining to, but not limited to, operational notes from asset meetings, operational meeting locations, operational phone numbers, true names of assets, and covert facilities. The address book contained approximately 21 pages. The address book contained true names and phone numbers of assets and covert CIA employees, as well as the addresses of CIA facilities. 
So now this is all top secret and it's exceptionally a big problem for the national security of the United States of America. So this is in 2012. He came from China with it, went to Hawaii. They saw it. Then he went to Virginia and then they, you know, when he wasn't there, checked his hotel room there and saw it. And so court authorized, obviously, FISA, right? Huh? And so they took all these pictures and, you know, there's like so many, right? So he then, um, from August 15th to 2012 through June 6, 2013, so almost a year, he lived in the Northern Virginia area before he returned to the United States. And throughout his residence um, in Northern Virginia, Lee met with former colleagues from the CIA and other government employees and remained in contact with these individuals, right? He kept contact. You keep contact with old co-workers, right? Neither during these meetings nor other opportunities while he was there did he ever give the book, the address books to U.S. officials um, as required under the non-disclosure agreement that he signed, nor in any communications did he mention that he had all this information in like little black book, right? And he was interviewed with FBI agents on five separate occasions in or about May and June of 2013, never suggested that he possess a book. So basically people he knew or worked with were like, yeah, let's have lunch and talk about it. But he never said, oh, you know, I have this, right? They knew he had it. They took pictures of it. They knew everything. So they're saying he willfully retained the two books and failed to deliver the materials, So they asked him, they questioned him, and they say, this is a criminal violation, right? Typical, right? So in 2012, he should have been arrested, right, guys? Like if I have a little black book and it's got covert, you know, locations, clandestine CIA operatives or other three-letter agency operatives and, you know, assets that we have, I mean, you know, they should lock me up right then and there when they find it, right? That's what happens, right? Okay. Remember, this was filed in 2018. Okay, just follow this. So this is how they did it. They said this affidavit must be sealed until further court order to protect the investigation. This happened on January 13th that it was filed. And so basically they knew he had it and they knew he left and went back to Hong Kong with it. Never arrested him. They could have stopped him at the airport and said, yo, you got this. You're not going anywhere. You're arrested. But they didn't. So then you have to think, wait a minute. So the guy leaves, he goes back to Hong Kong, lives with his family. He's working a normal job. He's paying rent, you know, and everything. And suddenly, right, he comes back. But this time he's not going to Virginia where he's at. He doesn't go through Hawaii. He leaves Hong Kong on January 13th, January 13th. Okay. He leaves Hong Kong. So he leaves Hong Kong on January 13th. And for some reason, you know, he arrives to JFK. Okay. And he arrives to JFK and they arrest him a couple days later. So apparently he was like, you know, January 13th, China time, he leaves January 13th, Eastern time, which means a day behind. So January 12th, they got notice that he left. And so the next day they filed this affidavit saying, Ooh, This is a big problem, you know, conspiracy to commit espionage and two of elite. And uh, so he had counts, two counts, uh, one charge of conspiracy to commit espionage and two charges of illegally retaining classified information. So 
here's where the question lies. So in January of 2018, he was going to JFK. My sources tell me he was going to try to get a hold of the Trump administration to provide information. This is what my sources tell me. But instead, they file saying that he stole all this information with all these assets six years ago. He had it in his possession when he came from China, had it in his possession while we while he was here. We knew he had it in his possession. We never directly asked him about it. We were just following to see what he was doing with it. And then he leaves. But we don't arrest him in 2012. We let him go. Like, no big deal. He could take all that precious, so bad for national security information, and we'll just let him go. Because that totally makes sense. Right, guys? So here he is now, and he's in jail. He's literally sitting in jail. That's what's bizarre. Because he... Um, served 13 years within the CIA as a case officer, several locations overseas, right? And, you know, I can't believe that he was sentenced to 19 years in prison. Very funny, that number, man, right? They love that number. For conspiring to provide American intelligence secrets to the Chinese government. Wait a minute. He had that with him in 2012, came with it from China, right? Hung out in the United States. You searched it. You had it. You let him go back, but he supposedly was giving it to China. I'm confused. Super confused. So guess who took that case? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Ellis. Judge Ellis. So the prosecutor was Neil Hammerstrom. And he said that the intelligence community can't be certain of exactly how much Lee disclosed, saying it's all but certain that he did pass along, uh, you know, secrets. So listen to this. They have no proof that he gave anything to the Chinese. None. And almost every single handler carries a black book, especially those that leave with no qualms or anything, and especially those that are contracted like Lee was sometimes. Okay, this is why he was in the United States. But see, they're not telling you this, right? Kelly O'Brien won't put that on there. She'll just tell you, we had all this information in 2012 and we let him go to China. So now that he's back, we're arresting him. Makes absolutely zero sense. The question is, has the Trump administration actually interviewed Jerry Lee? And you know what's dangerous is that Jerry Lee's books had names, real names, locations, and insurance policies that they had on their own covert agents from different agencies. And one very specific agency that Strzok is part of. So that's the thing. Now, I wanted to say that Lee had deposited... um, $17,000 into his account, which was from his work, um, because uh, even though he was operating, they say, a failing consulting service, and the federal prosecutors told Ellis that the Chinese gave him a total of $840,000, but the defense lawyer was like, "Um, those were never linked deposits to Chinese intelligence officers, and here's the thing, the $840,000 right was a total of all money he earned earned between 2008 and 2012 so over four years that was his salary where he was working 
Mm. And assets he had. So it's really bizarre. It's speculation that the money was like, you know, taken by him to give to Chinese. Yet none of the money is unclean. It was super paper. So this is all in an assumption. Ellis gave him 19 years. So, you know, Ellis, my gosh, what he did, Manafort, right? He got that. Um, But, you know, that's not the problem. Ellis, he shows his true colors. And this is what happens when you look and you step back in time. So, you know, he's Colombian, right? He was born in Colombia, first of all. And Reagan actually nominated him to be part of the Eastern District of Virginia. By the way, the Eastern District of Virginia is where all spooks, ghosts, coverts, anything you want, and that's where they're going to bring Assange when he comes next week, uh, are tried in the Eastern District of Virginia, just so you know. Now, in 2007, he was given like a more senior status, um, but he was also given the right to go to the Western District as well. And so, you know, this guy's been busy. He's got so many going on, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And also not only that, he also, um, you know, sits on benches in the fourth circuit too, right? Not only in the Eastern district of Virginia, not only, you know, Western that he has privileges, kind of like doctors, do you have privileges in this hospital? He kind of just bounces around wherever he's needed. (laughs) So Here's where it gets super weird. Now, the cases of uh, John Lind, um, uh, Franklin Rosen and Weissman, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, in 2006, he sentenced um, uh, the Defense Department guy Franklin to 12 years and a fine for passing national defense information to an Israeli diplomat and and, and AIPAC, right? AIPAC, the pro-Israel lobby. And then he changed the sentence to 10 months at a halfway house and community service. But he um, you know, totally scolded, like embarrassed Franklin for not following the rule of law. And so a lot of people speculate, was this really like national defense information? Because the information he was passing on were plans about technology that the Bush administration had sourced out to Israel. So it was super weird. Uh, but he denied a motion to dismiss, um, the case on the APAC employees, Rosen and Keith Weissman, and they were charged under the Espionage Act for illegally receiving and transmitting national defense information, which is really bizarre because in the end, all that information was used to create the tech that they had. So that was bizarre. But the best one, this is where you can see who this judge is, is the case of Khalid El-Masri. And this is where it shows you how Dan Coates comes into the picture and what happened. So this guy named El El Masri was uh, living in Europe. He had migrated there from Lebanon, right? And um, he actually filed a lawsuit against the CIA and three private companies, right, that kidnapped him and moved him and tortured him in Afghanistan in the salt pit. You'd be like, wait a minute. Uh, what do you mean in the salt pit? I'm not understanding what that means. So that's um, that's what I've been saying. This is why. You know how I've been saying that there's many, many sites where you know some people just go and they disappear, 
usually prisoners, political prisoners, um, and people that they just want to walk in as a man, walk out as a woman kind of thing. Anyway, this guy, <coughs> El Masri, uh, he was actually kidnapped, right? He was kidnapped. He, German citizenship. Right. Uh, because he was a Lebanese uh, refugee. Right. And he's half. Uh, well, he has both citizenships anyway. And so the people of the country that want to call themselves Macedonians. Right. They actually abducted him in 2003 and handed him over to the high value intelligent interrogations group. Intelligence, whatever you want to call it. It's interrogation group. And he was taken out you know, from Europe to Afghanistan. And he was held, um, you know, in the salt pit. Uh, that's like one of the places where torture would happen, where they would interrogate people. There's tons of those places. Anyway, um, you know, he was sodomized. He was treated inhumanely. He was the wrong guy too, just so you know. Um, and wrong guy they claim, but anyway, I digress. Here's where Dan Coates comes in. So this guy, uh, you know, was pleading to the European courts. He actually won that he was um, um, tortured wrongfully. They claim that his name was very similar to some guy from 9-11. And that's why they did it. Okay. Just so you know. Now, Dan Coates at the time was the ambassador in Germany. And... um he was telling the Germans not to press charges or reveal the programs that, you know, the U.S. had. Now, this guy actually filed a lawsuit against the CIA for his arrest, the kidnapping, the way he was treated. Um, his suit is actually El Masri versus Tenet, uh, in which he was actually represented by the ACLU, but it was completely dismissed. By Ellis claiming state secret privilege. No joke. Now, the ACLU said that the Bush administration attempted to seal its abuses by invoking the privilege. The case was also dismissed by the appeals court in the Fourth Circuit, which Ellis is there too. Remember how I told you he's all over the place, right? And in December 2007, the Supreme Court declined to hear the case. Though in 2012, he was uh, heard at the European Court Human Rights, and they determined that he was tortured while held by the CIA and ruled that that country that wants to call itself Macedonia was responsible for abusing him in a country. And they knowingly knew that they gave him to the CIA and that he was going to be tortured. And so they paid him. So that country paid him. And so the European, uh, you know, nations condemn the United States with these secret programs. Okay. Now here's where we need to talk about the salt pit. So the salt pit is, um, one of many black sites where, you know, there are people held and, um, tortured to get information. Now, you will say, well, this is necessary sometimes at a time of war. But the thing is, you know, 
people like uh, El Masri, who was born in Kuwait, raised by Lebanese. You know, his parents were both Lebanese, but he grew up in Lebanon, right? Uh, you know, this guy was wrongfully identified. And instead of us owning up to, yo, we like totally messed up. It was state secrets. Like everybody knows these exist now because there's records all over the place. So what are we doing? Hiding behind the f- our finger. It's like pulling your index finger in front of your face and saying, look, you can't see me. I'm hiding. You can't do that. So here we have state secrets pulling privilege of state secrets, right? To not compensate someone that was legitimately assailed by, by doing things wrong. And hey, you know, we get things wrong sometimes. Not saying that what he endured um, is okay and what we do to people we question is okay, but... We didn't own up to it because Judge Ellis said it is state secrets and he invoked that privilege. So the question goes now is to how does he invoke these privileges and how does he apply things? Okay. For example, for Paul Manafort, he gave him 47 months and, you know, gave him an insane bond, right? He, yeah, uh, you know, he, he tried to make it look like he was impartial, but is he? And again, here we saw Ellis, he sentenced him to 47 months, right? 47 months. That's like just under four years uh, in federal prison, even though the prosecutors were asking for 25 years excessive. See, Ellis said, okay, that's like a little bit excessive because that was like a long time ago and you want me to sentence this guy, but I'm not putting this on my record like this because this is messed up. It's going to make me look bad. We're not going to give him 25 years. Listen, so this was excessive and the judge said it himself. It was excessive. Because it'll look bad on him because he wants to pretend he's impartial because people with insurance on them want to look impartial, especially when it's politically charged. So here we are picking for tax fraud from like, you know, ages ago, you know, it was, it was crazy, right? And he even said, otherwise than that, otherwise blameless life, you know, he just like screwed up, didn't do this, didn't do that. But, you know, you guys are asking for 25 years, so I got to give him four at least, even though normally someone would walk like, you know, like the chick that, um, you know, uh, Mad Dog Mattis was sitting on her board for Theranos, you know, that blood research group, right? She defrauded. She failed to report foreign money. Right. I mean, Kissinger's on the board too. Like, right. And she got nothing but a slap on the wrist, but this guy, and that was recent, but this guy years and years ago where the laws of today don't apply yesterday, but kind of can be implied, but not really gets 47 months. And he says too excessive. So now we have a guy that supposedly lied in Congress or withheld information from Congress, whereas we have seen all of these people parade through Congress and lie through Congress, and they want to give him nine years. And obviously, we have a judge again, another judge that should be stripped of her bench. See, here's the thing. She was the one, okay, pay attention. She was the one that actually sat down and said, 
No one is charging Hillary Clinton with what happened in Benghazi. Are you getting this? We got that woman with Roger Stone who put a gag in his mouth because saying that, you know, he shouldn't have spoken and, uh, you know, he's in a lot of trouble and, you know, this is a very big problem. But, you know, Alexander, um, Alex Van Der Zvan, right, from this Huge law firm, oh, you know, huge law firm, uh, skate in, ARP, Slate, you know, the Hillary firms, the Obama firms, the ones that were also implicated in the email scandal representations, right? He pled guilty to making a false statement to investigators when they were asking him questions about Russian interference. He also said that the Ukrainian Ministry of Justice was his firm's client. Okay, so this guy lied to investigators didn't lie to congress like everybody and their mother does he lied to investigators you know the stuff the papadopoulos went to jail for right but you know he's a lawyer and you know he worked with the ukrainians i mean come on you know you got to cut him some slack right he's working with the ukrainians so this chick right decides that he's not going to get anything but a $20,000 fine and a month in prison and two months unsupervised release. Are you kidding me? But Roger Stone is being pushed for nine years. Do you see how these judges work? Do you see how they apply the law the way they want to? Ellis, fake sword, fake spear. Now we could talk Emmett. Now Emmett is a great actor. Emmett is one of those, look at me, haha, but then sticks it because he has no problem and no qualms calling things out, especially when he knows and he can feel his bench trembling right under his butt. So you have to see the differences on the way they handle things because she also, um, was assigned to preside over Paul Manafort, remember? And Rick Gates. As part of the investigation, because she was providing over the criminal case that Robert Mueller did. Are you paying attention to this? This is just how deep this goes. When I say the judicial arm is corrupt, it is down to the core corrupt. You know who her husband is? He used to be the assistant secretary for George Bush in 2005. (laughs) And guess who, um, you know, he used to work for. And I'm going to mention this company because, you know, a lot of people don't mention it. And it's called Arnold and Porter. It's like a, a, a law firm. It's international. <laughs> they were also involved in the MENA scandal. But, you know, nobody really talks about that, you know, part. Right. Nobody really talks about it. AT&T <laughs> and um, it makes you feel that there's no way out of this. When your judges are corrupt in the spook area, how are we going to win? Like we're bringing Assange now. We can't have these people there because they won't, they won't do what they're supposed to do, which is help the people get the truth and expose those that needs uh, to be exposing. Now, these judges, all appointees of the previous administrations have shown exactly where they sit, have made it clear 
where they sit. They have handpicked their juries with liberal crazies. Someone that ran in the state of Tennessee, but suddenly she's a citizen in Washington. We need to check that out. All right. Like now she like resides in Washington, D.C., but her thing still says Tennessee. I'm just a little bit confused on that. But this is it. You know, she's gagging him from talking to Roger Stone. She's picked, hand-picked a jury, and she's obviously not applying the law equally at all. She claims that, you know, Manafort lied to Mueller's office. She claims that um, the grand jury, um, uh, you know, uh, the F, um, that he lied to Mueller and the FBI after he, you know, pled guilty for talking with Kilmanick, remember? Um she did all of this for Manafort and was pushing for the hardest sentence. Um, but for some reason, they're claiming that she was, at, you know, that um, that Robert Mueller wasn't supposed to, you know, go into the bounds of what he pled. And, you know, when he pled, they, they had a deal that he gets a lesser sentence. Well, she said, oh, no, don't worry about it. You can ask for more doesn't matter about the plea deal just go ahead and that's when Alice stepped in he was like yo I'm, I, I got a man you know what I'm saying like 25 years that's a lot like what are you doing Jackson and so here's the thing we got Finesca <sighs> Panama papers are coming out so we've got this law firm that can have stuff on Jackson I'm just saying you know, because all these people have all these accounts in other countries that are like hop, skip away with a little private jet. And, you know, you have to wonder, um, uh, you know, how is it that she has amassed such monies sometimes? You, you have to think about it. I mean, everybody does. She is in a lot of trouble. And this is showing from the way she responded to everything. So right now the spotlight is on her where the U S attorneys in Roger Stone's case withdrew themselves. Well, the two were resigned for the recommendation, which was ridiculous because if he gets that sentence, I want to see Schiff because he lied and there's no immunity on that man. No, that was publicized nationwide. He lied. I want Hillary Clinton. She lied. You know, the same Hillary Clinton, this judge threw out the case of wrongful death that she caused to our people in Benghazi. Mm. And, you know, I mean, she has her son that probably had all the questions to Jeopardy that won. You know that, right? He's the one that won like the, the 50,000 um, in Jeopardy. Yeah, I kid you not. And he went on the Tournament of Champions and all that stuff. He's just like a loser that lives off of mommy's, you know, money. Even though he went to school and, you know, uh, uh, where did he, he went to um, Georgetown. That's it. Funny, all of them are, are either in Georgetown or Harvard. <laughs> I'll see you all after this break so we can talk about these agencies that I mentioned, like HVIG. See you right after this break.
real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Always live here Monday through Friday, only on Red State Talk Radio. So in the last hour, blew through commercials and everything, and we were talking about judges and a former uh, Central Intelligence Agency handler named Jerry Lee. Now, I want you guys to know, I told you that he was being held on two charges of having classified information in his possession and then, uh, you know, one charge of, you know, selling that to the Chinese, right? Remember, they saw that he had that information in 2012, but didn't arrest him. But when he was planning to come to President Trump, to his administration, to provide information, Kelly O'Brien, this you know, 26 plus year FBI agent arrested him and he's in jail. And Judge Ellis, the third, was the one that tried this case. Now, I want you guys to know that, uh, you know, Jerry Lee pled guilty as part of a deal with prosecutors and the prosecutors dropped the charges uh, pertaining to classified information. You know what's screwed up about that? Is that that classified information he had in his possession was because he was still doing work when they wanted him. You think that when you're part of an agency, you just get let go? Like, you're just like, oh, I'm out. It's like the mafia, okay? You don't. <laughs> Unless you're a desk jockey like that that clown on Twitter uh, that calls herself CIA spy girl. What a loser. She was placing orders for like makeup and stuff. And she's like, I could tell you about the CIA. I know. You, you know, nothing. Stop. You're just, ugh. anyway. So here he is in jail. And you know, Alice actually told him, he said to him that, you know, he doesn't have to be bound by the agreement that he set with them because there's, they were seeking 17 to 27 years, 17 to 27. And they gave him 19, 19. I I'm wondering, you know, did the Trump administration and their own people actually see Mr. Lee? Have they moved him to somewhere safe to ask him questions? Because he, yes, had the name of covert operatives, American citizens, true names, true identities, everything, locations, safe houses, you name it. But no evidence was actually provided that any of those informants that he had in that book had been arrested or killed in China or even worked in China. And nowhere can they say that he sold this information because once a handler, you're always a handler providing protocol numbers. So it's so bizarre. And so the fact that they put him in for 19 years, alleging he worked with Chinese intelligence officer and never did. They allege that people that were killed or arrested in China that were American informants or American citizens were linked to Jerry Lee was ridiculous because none of the people in his book were killed, arrested or anything like that because he was a handler. And so 
no evidence was provided to say, look, yeah, this. And it's like, here's the book. None of those people are there. And he didn't take any money from Chinese nationals, Chinese military. He was working. This is his salary. Where's the evidence? But when Lee pled guilty, he acknowledged that he met with Chinese intelligence agents and took instructions from them about what information they sought. Yeah, that was his job. Because when you get someone that you know has worked for this stupid agency and they're just living a normal life in China, you know, the government's going to be like, yo, hey, so what's up? Let's talk to you for a second. Right. It's like, for example, you know, any, any, any covert agent being in any country and that country's, you know, intelligence knows that you're there living on a farm with your kids you know, or whatever, and they will penetrate every facet of your life. Say, yeah, you want this? And you know what Jerry Lee was doing? He was telling him, yo, the Chinese are looking for this. But instead, we throw him in jail because they knew that was going to happen. And what's so dumb is that, you know, the FBI and the DOJ at the time corrupt as can be said they were super happy with the plea and they didn't want to have a trial because it risked making stuff public and the CIA wanted to keep it a secret. We need all of that public for John Brennan's trial. We need all of it. You know, all of it. Remember Kevin Mallory, the former CIA guy, with the DIA found guilty in June, Ron Hansen, another DIA guy sentenced to 15 years in prison. That was like so many people in such a short period of time that were thrown away and locked away under the guise of Chinese intelligence and et cetera, passing on national defense information. But the key here is, is that the people that were actually doing it, right? are still at large, like, you know, Brennan selling our secrets, Brennan creating this, uh, independent private spy agency. It's ridiculous. It's horrible, but you know, time's going to come. These benches are already shaking and it's about to go. That's, that's, it is about to go. Now, before we get into, um, more into it. I want you guys to understand something that Mark Twain said. Patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. Mm? Very important. It's very, very important. Because a lot of people seem to support their government all the time when they don't deserve it. And you'd say, well, what is that? Are you not a patriot if you don't do it all the time? Think about it. Patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. So supporting your country, of course you do. You support your flag, the values that you stand for, but it's not your government, right? Your government can be the one that comes after you. Your government can be the one that attacks you. 
Remember, it was this this Jackson, uh, you know, chick that took away our right and mandated that you have mandatory, you know, obligation to provide contraceptives, even if you don't believe in contraceptives, right? Hillary Clinton, relieved. It's so horrible. And she had the crass to say that, uh, you know, uh, when she, okay, so let's put it this way. Um, this chick Jackson, right? She was, uh, she was also part of the case, um, about, um, Obama. If you guys remember, it was, um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. It was, um, well, aside from, uh, the Benghazi attack, I'm trying to think because she did that in 2017 under president Trump, she dismissed the wrongful death suit against Hillary Clinton by the parents of two of the people that were killed in, um, uh, Benghazi. And that was based on, uh, the Westfall act, believe it or not. Um, but she also, uh, had ruled for Obama. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what it was. And if anybody remembers, let me know because she had said that um, the, the the department can't like reveal things. Um, the department, his 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 office had revealed a lot of information that in court they tried to conceal, and um, it was with Eric Holder, if you remember, and she was like she ruled in his favor basically, and she said that. Even though Holder and that they should have been held accountable, excuse me, uh, that uh, she was still um, going to side with, um, oh, it was the Fast and Furious, that's right, with the gun running. Like she allowed, even though there were public disclosures, she allowed it to be omitted from the case in a sense. So this was like, this is the the worst type of betrayal to the people that anyone can can do. I mean, you have to think that these, this woman has destroyed any faith for her seat. Most of these people have destroyed any faith in their seat. I mean, the judge herself, uh, ripped into like, she totally tore a new one to Roger Stone saying he's not allowed to speak publicly about his case. Why not? Why can't he talk about his case? Why can't he, you know, do things? No statements. Like he, he, I've been reaching out to him. He can't talk to me because he's not allowed to. Oh, but he could say you could donate, but he can't talk about his case. He can't talk about what he's going to. Why? We want the details because we want to know how we're going to prosecute Schiff, Pelosi, and, oh, Comey lied, right? Strzok lied, right? Loretta Lynch is not getting off the hook. Page lied. All these people lied. So why can't we know the details? I mean, if you're going to hold this citizen accountable for lying supposedly to Congress, well, I got proof on video and audio and written transcripts that they lied. So why can't I use his case to throw it against them? Oh, you can't say that because mm. no, he said, you know, she was, she was, um, telling him that he kept talking on social media and doing all these things. Right. 
And um, she was upset about a photo he posted and, you know, he was like, yeah, okay, it was a mistake. If I could do it over again, I'd pick another one. You let the corn down. You know, you're so bad. The photo was misinterpreted, you know, because of the um, Nixon. But anyway, she was really, really upset. She was really upset. She tore me. It's so horrible. She was like, this isn't baseball. There would be no third chance. Girl, you've struck out so hard. Like, we need to find a way that these clown judges can be removed when they're working against the people. (laughs) I've been in many a courtrooms. And thank God for judicial review. Thank God for the ability to complain. Especially when you see their financial interests and how they line their pockets on the side when they're in debt. But thank God, because when they come at you and you're supposed to be impartial, there's no, oh, I don't like your face. Or the guy that gave me a loan through his bank, like First International Bank, to pay for my extension, you know, doesn't like you. So I got to be really, really hard for you. You know, I'm just saying, example. You know, that's a problem. That is a very big problem when you can't be impartial. When you don't like the other person and she obviously doesn't like Roger Stone. You know why? Because he can't be silent. He doesn't care how much shade you throw. Roger Stone will forever be a historical figure and she hates that. And she will be known to be one of the most corrupt judges, the judge that dismissed the case against Hillary Clinton so that they can get restitution for the mistakes she made. She will be responsible for the fast and the furious privilege. She will be responsible for what she did to Manafort, for Stone, the way she spoke. She will be remembered as that, not as a judge that was any good, but one of the judges that helped take down the corrupt judicial arm of the United States of America. It's horrific. It is horrific to do that to a man and not do it to those that had to. Disgusting. She knows Hillary Clinton lied. She knows she caused the deaths of those people. Oh, but state secrets maybe? We're going to pull that out of Ellis's playbook? You know, I like the fact that Emmett is on the case for um, Flynn. But here's the thing. He redeemed himself. You remember that thing with the Alaska guy and he was running and there were charges and they, they dismissed them. They weren't really supposed to be dismissed. I'm just saying there was exculpatory information, uh, but they shouldn't been. Anyway, um, he lost the election and because of the ruling and then the judge was really pissed. He was like, how dare you? I've never seen prosecutorial misconduct like this. This is ridiculous. Oh my gosh, how horrible. You know, he literally did that. He ripped into the prosecutors. I, I, you know, I didn't see the prosecutors go to jail though. It's really weird. But that same judge actually tore into my general talking about treason, right? I'm not hiding my disgust, my disdain for this criminal offense. Whoa, Sullivan. Whoa, 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 Sullivan. Then you had to apologize. Whoa, Sullivan. I'm really hoping that was your improv acting. Because, you know, this crime is very serious in the White House, in the West Wing, isn't it? Arguably, you sold your country out, he said to the general. Did he, though? Did he, though? He delayed the sentencing. Did he, though? Did he, though? He said all this. Did he, though? 
See, this is where it's all going to come down to. These people, Roger Stone, one, Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn, to protect his own. They will go down in history for helping us initiate SCOTUS Gate. This is going all the way to the top, you guys. This is not a game. This is real. And what this going up to the top is, this is just the beginning of how they can get more. You know, this is how it goes. HVIG, high value interrogation unit. We need to talk about that. It's a really important thing. But before we do, I want to tell you something and play another song from this group called Muse. Um, See, what they hate the most, and they is the ones that they work for, is free thought. But they also hate and absolutely loathe something human. Something that's tangible because as society is growing and technology is, 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 you know, propelling into the future, we're losing touch with the simple things. And I want you to think while you're listening, uh, to this song that I'm going to play for you, uh, you know, this whole song was perfect because it shows a guy in the future wanting to go into the past just to return a blockbuster VHS. The simple things, you know, how you used to get excited about getting movie and popcorn. Now you're, you know, Walmart or CVS outside at a kiosk picking one from Redbox. Uh, no popcorn, no musky smell <laughs> carpets, no like posters, no nothing. It's just like there. And um, it's taking away the contact is what I'm trying to say. Uh, a lot of us do communicate via telephone, via video, via text, but that communication in proximity is lacking. And this is how they can control how you feel, how you respond, because once they can control and contain everything on a platform that they have access to, it is a lot easier to manipulate your frequencies of thought and your frequencies of existence. Remember, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, you feel like you're a solid human being, but in essence, on the highest resolution of a microscope, your cells are vibrating at a certain rate and frequency to give you the illusion of being one solid mass. And some of these cells aren't even connected with actual, you know, proteins. Some of them are just so close to each other that they have holes where they spit chemicals back and forth, what we call gap junctions, right? To communicate. The reality of it is, is that it's just all one block. I mean, come on. How many of you have been drunk and actually done the whole hand thing in front of your eye? And it's like, whoa, that's because that is what's happening. Some of them are so, you're so drunk that some of your frequencies are off and some of your cells and you're seeing them scatter around rather than your brain contain them. How many of you have seen pictures with missing lines and your brain just fills in the blanks? Come on. Something that makes you human is what's inside of you. And the ability to discern for yourself, not to be controlled by the masses, right? And you're going to say, well, if 
I'm not a solid and I'm controlling, you know, my fingers that are all just a bunch of different cells, bone cells, you know, arterial cells, capillary cells, um, you know, keratin cells, all these other cells, you know, skin, whatever you want to call it, bacteria, everything that is running through that one finger and I'm making it solid with my brain, right? Then I'm actually controlling. Yeah, but you're controlling your universe, your center, your projection. But when they get to mass brainwash everyone, it's because they're hurting you all to vibrate at the same frequency. So it's really important for you to understand that this mass media, mainstream media, the fake news media is created in order to herd you into one thought process, one direction and take what they say is reality. And the more of you that subscribe to it, the stronger that timeline exists. Now, let me play this tune because I really like it and I think you'll like it too.
What does it mean to be human, to have compassion or to not believe that, uh, you know, stepping on someone else's neck is important to survive? So what we need to understand is when evil comes out, they have nothing to say. They will attack on half-baked facts. Like they'll throw out things like bone spurs and, you know, oh, John Kelly was an brave militant officer. That's what they'll say. (laughs) Because they're predictable. Because me, it's history. For you, it's future. And for others, it may be something more. You have to wonder what they're afraid of. They're afraid of you waking up to see how they heard you into the pen they want you in. And how many of these, I mean, how, think about it. It is very devastating just on this scale. Imagine if you knew the bigger scale where we can talk about Alice. We could talk about so many things. They're attacking people that yearn for the times of the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and even the crazy 80s, right? Where there was contact, there was communication, there was community, there was environment. They want to separate everything. They want to take everything humane out of it. You can identify as a piece of furniture now because they say it's okay. You can change a child's sex because they say it's okay. Who's they? This mass attack, attacking you when inside of you, you already know. For some reason, people just seem to follow the herds. You know, they get excited. Oh, so-and-so with so many followers. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how many blue check marks you can have up the bejeez. They aren't the news. You are. And our president said it the best. I'm giving you the country back to you, the people. That's something we need to hear again and again and again. Because that is what the core about being a a free person, being what they call a defector, because I'm a defector. You're all defectors. Anyone listening to me is usually a defector. You don't want to go with mainstream. You want to go with main inside, right? What do you discern as good? What do you discern as bad? That is how you can move forward. Uh, Our president right now has given the country back to us and not everyone's taking it. You're supposed to take it because he's only going to be in office so long. When are you going to take it? In 2016, he reminds you, you took your country back. You took it back. Why aren't you taking it? Ride that horse and take it into the sunset, man. He's telling you that. He wants you to stand up. He wants you to see with your eyes, not through the eyes of whatever the media is telling you, through your own eyes. See. Understand. And feel. I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about these judges. You can see it. 
we have jurors talking that are supposed to be in these cases. Why don't we have the jurors that are now deliberating about people like Brennan and Comey and Strzok? But you know, that's not where it's going to hit. Because I'm telling you, I see this Seth Rich is coming out. And you know why? Because they came to me three years later. I have never hidden anything about what I have seen and known about Seth Rich. But they come to me three years later. (laughs) And then they start a new round. And you know, they haven't bothered me since because they don't want me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't have anything to give you, but I could talk about it. You want to document it? Let me tell you what I got. Oh yeah, we're done. We don't need this documented. No, you don't. Because the thing that we need to realize is that there are corporations, there are people that have grouped together and they're small group compared to us. They are few. We are many that are trying to shape your ideology. And, you know, even though the mainstream worked, right, they've started to go gorilla on us. And you have to understand, you have to be able to use your own ability to discern fact from fiction, because here's where it gets rough. Two years ago, I said, and I said it very carefully, you just have to be very, very careful who you follow and not just like on Twitter or Facebook, like who you listen to uh, for information, right? Because there's, and, and you know, even the good, even the people that are good are providing purposeful disinformation for those that are listening And those that are listening can discern when that purposeful disinformation is provided because there's always got to be a back channel to talking, right? There's always got to be something. And one thing that they can't do is kill the airwaves. (laughs) This is why they ban ham radios, right? (laughs) You know, you have to be able to see it because now it's going to come from within. So there was this journalist that used to write for the Gateway Pundit and many people, even some really, really close friends of mine would follow her, would hang and be like, yeah. And I was like, dude, the chick is about code pink, dude. The chick went to see Assange, dude. She's advocating for Assange not to come here, dude. (sighs) Infiltration. This is what people need to be able to do is discern things. When someone says something, but their actions are different, their actions, like literal actions, what they write about, what they advocate for, what they love, like, you know, gory death or whatever, you know, stuff, you know, that tells you their true selves, because no matter how good you are at covering up who you are, are because you're trying to penetrate a movement, penetrate um, an action of a collective to liberate themselves. You can't hide who you really are. Who you really are comes out when you're under attack. Who you really are comes out when you're speaking so freely. Your lips are a little bit looser and they come out And all this spills out, all this information just spills out and no one's listening because they're mesmerized with the other stuff that you've said, right? And I've been mesmerized like that throughout my life. Boy, have I. And even though I was trained to be able to discern that, and that's because, you know, 
the problem is, is that there's no proximity anymore. See, the minute I come into proximity, uh, with the people, uh, intimately, like not intimately, like, Oh, I love you. Like friendship wise, like, you know, you, 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 you're bare naked talking to them. Like, yeah, this is, this is me like, Oh, look, this is, this is my cut on my finger and you're naked, naked in regards to here's me bare bones. That's where you see the other person from that first bare bone interaction of vulnerability. And see, that was a lot easier in the past because you used to be able to come face to face and see them. In the past, you used to be able to see them face to face within five seconds. You know, if they're likable or not right on a phone call through text messages, through video, you kind of figure out, you know, it takes a little bit longer because you don't know if you're seeing the real person and it's the over time that you see it. And that time is what they bank on because they can extend it and shorten it as they need be. And right now they're trying to shorten this low and they can't, they're really trying to find another way to revamp the noise, the noise. So you can't see the HVIG HVTs. So here's, here's the thing. Barack Hussein Obama. Okay. By his office. Okay. Created a, um, a, uh, a team of persons. Okay. Um, it's, it's called the high value detainee group. He, he, he created this and it was done in 2009, uh, just a couple months into his, um, presidency along with other, you know, executive orders that he signed in order to get this done. And this was a cooperation. You would say a bridge, an illegal bridge, illegal bridge that ruins checks and balances and spills over. And this is where you're going to see where I'm going with this. Of the FBI, the CIA, and the Department of Defense, and I would say DARPA the most, because that is where we started to experiment with things. So the group was supposedly responsible for um, questioning people in regards to terrorism, suspects. And most of this was done overseas, kind of like Al-Bashiri, which was taken over, uh, you know, um, where Khalid was actually kidnapped and taken into Afghanistan to the salt pit and literally raped, maimed and tortured until they realized this isn't the guy. But I digress. So this one, this group, okay, uh, decided well, by Obama. And at that time, the DNI guy who was uh, Blair, they were like, yo, we're going to start interrogating people in the U.S. So that means we have black sites in the United States of America. And this three letter, four letter, HIG, HVIG, whatever you want to call it, has um, uses, has full authority, right? Um To research and um, fine tune uh, their ways of asking questions. And one thing that this area does is the way that they flood out the people they want supposedly, or the people that they want to mold into that target. Okay. Are by using sock puppets and groups. Now that was actually born in that group. Strzok knows it very well. So basically what do I mean? 
Now we have CNN, fake news. They're so fake. And you know what, guys? Don't get upset when you see McCabe and Brennan on there when they get contracts with MSNBC. Because in the end, it's going to be like, dude, you were praising Avenatti. What the? Don Lemon, you were like, oh, my God, I'm crying. Like, you know, just for justice for Juicy. Right. Oh, my gosh. You had McCabe, who's in jail for doing all this. Oh, my God. They think that if they put them there, oh, look, it's an attack. Man, they're all going down. Let them do it themselves. And you know what I love about the president? And I've said this before because I use this strategy too. Piss them off. Say stuff that'll piss them off. And that's how somebody's true colors come out. Like if you say something that's super low, like, oh my gosh, your butt's so wide, I can land an airplane on it. You know, I won't care. I won't respond. Except if you're my friend and I'm like, okay, so I'm not wearing those pants, right? But other than that, when you piss someone off, right, you send them funny memes, you make fun of their height, you know, you say things that you know are pushing buttons, they get pissed and that's where they mess up. And that's the key. This is what the president does. Okay. I'm just saying when you see a mini Mike, you know, Mike gets PO'd and then stuff comes out like, you know, oh my gosh, Bloomberg, were you working on this, you know, project with Bill Gates in regards to, I don't know, like depopulating people that shouldn't be here, you know, not through abortion, but through other things. Did you do that? I don't know. Did you? The stop and frisk. Oh man. Did you do that? Mini Mike? Wow. For a guy that tall, you sure did a lot of big things, you know, that, that really pisses him off and that's where they slop up. Now, Going back to the Hig. (sighs) Strzok was part of that group. And basically these guys have a free pass. Not only to create scenarios to flush or to box in. But they can tap anything they want. And they can kidnap you. You know, you'll be walking around on the street and you're like, yo, let me just go get a sandwich from the corner. And then this black man comes up and snags you and, you know, you're kidnapped. And then people you were walking with like, yo, this car just took her. Yeah. So we don't know where she went. Oh, gosh, darn it. And that's because they can do this. Now, here's the thing. Guess who oversees the high value interrogation group, high value, you know, intelligence value group, value detainee, whatever. It goes by so many names, so you're confused. Remember, I told you about names before. That's how they plant insurance. That's how they manufacture information. That's how they 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 build profiles so that they can snag them. I mean, the born, you know, Jason Bourne and stuff. That's not fake stuff, man. You know, you have to think these directors probably met with someone that said something. They're like, yo, nice movie right there. We should do this. Guess who oversees them? It's the DOJ, the NSC, and Congress. Wait a minute. Where are we having problems right now? Oh, the NSC, right? DOJ, and Congress. Wow. Can you see what's going on? So here's the thing. Obama pushed it like, hey, you know, it's like, it's a really good thing because now the FBI and the CIA, you know, will cooperate together. No, man. Law enforcement doesn't work with intelligence. That doesn't happen. But, you know, I digress, right? I digress. Do you know who is notably part of that? You've heard some of these names. Uh, McCabe. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's actually documented. McCabe, right? McCabe, right? Andy. Piero. Oh, wait, Miranda. But see, they're missing out some other names like Evanina. Oh my gosh. But you know, I can't go forward because that would be unmasking. But maybe we should ask Schiff from his GIF. Remember, NSC, DOJ, and Congress oversee that department. Which, by the way, is administered by the FBI. Makes you wonder. Wait a minute. So you're saying we get like, you know, terrorists like, uh, you know, Shazad, you know, um, who was the Times Square bomber? Him. Uh, Katala, you know, the Benghazi terror suspect, right? Why didn't they interview Hillary Clinton? I'm just saying she's the suspect. But they questioned them. And so you're telling me that the FBI law enforcement works on things like terrorism and questioning them and it's not done by other people. It's a little bit confusing how we've just muddled this line right there. Super quiet, right? Crickets. Because there's so many people that have worked with the HVIG that have come and gone and just shook their head like, what the, this is like rogue territory. This is like, you know, you don't, you get bandanas. So you know who everyone is. It's insane that it exists, but you know who created it? Obama. Fast and furious was a problem. Arming all these militants in the Middle East was a problem. Making money was a problem. And he wanted peace between, you know, the FBI and the CIA. Because those two mesh together, right? They shouldn't. They're separate. One of them are boys in blue. (laughs) The other ones, right, are supposed to be the good guys. Now, going to the NSC, it's funny how, you know, I was telling you about the NSC and all these people. Suddenly, all of them are getting fired, all of them, but not every single one of them. There's this one guy named Nathan. I mean, I really think he's confused, confused in the fact that he doesn't think that President Trump is his president. He really doesn't, you know, because if you're, if he came from the transition team, the question is, you know, did he resign before the swearing in of President Trump? And if he did, did he change it over to where it's supposed to be? Tori, what's that? Don't worry. There's a report coming out by other people. Um, it's going to be better because, you know, I, I'm not a video producer and I'm not good at And I'm not as hot as some of them, right? So... I think that story will be told, but coming for it, I'm just saying, coming up against it, you have to understand that these people are sick and they will do anything to maintain control. They do not care who they take out in the middle, who is going to get hurt, your child, their, your child's child, yourself, their mother. They don't care. It's all about them maintaining control. Think. Mainstream is used. Why? Because everyone has access to it. But, and, and, and it's normal for people to like kind of 
do what everybody else is doing. Have you ever tried? Okay. I, I, I've, I've done this to my child. Um, it was actually a couple of days ago. I was, uh, I went to the trash chute to throw out some garbage in the chute. And then when I did it, I was running back to, to the apartment and I was running. And the reason I ran was because I was waiting for a call and I didn't have my phone on me. Now she was on the other end of, you know, the door where the trash and I'm starting to run and she starts running and she, obviously she can run faster than me. Right. And she starts running. She's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I was like, why are you running? She's like, cause you're running. What's wrong? And I was like, Oh, I forgot my phone. That's why I was running. Cause I'm waiting for a phone call and I just noticed I didn't have my phone. I said, why did you run? Cause you were running. It looked like you panicked. And I was like, yeah, cause I was waiting for a phone call and I left my phone. And so that is herd mentality. We follow, you know, the majority or what other people are doing instinctively out of protection because in numbers we are safer, right? So if you're in the mall, I mean, you could try it if you want to. You could start running and have a couple of your friends join in. And if you all are running in one way, scattered frantically, the whole mall will start running too in the direction you're going, thinking that they're avoiding some danger, right? Because it's normal. It's a human response. But now they're starting to see that this mass information, even though it's effective in certain ways, is not working. We are going to see a wave of infiltration, a wave of random people slandering anybody and anyone from elected officials, non-elected officials, appointed officials, reporters, not reporters, investigative journalists, BS investigative journalists, moms, dads, the chick that chimes in and just randomly says, I think abortion is murder. And then it's like 50 million trolls come in and they just maim them to the point that they just don't want to say anything anymore because they're going to be attacked. The deep fakes, you think it's only going to, it's, it's, it's going to get, mm, yeah, that's because they're preemptively waiting for that. That's going to be used against you too. Me your mother, your sister, your brother, your kids, your husband, all these deep fakes are going to come out to attack you. So again, in this lull that we are having now, this lull until, you know, summer, well, May, when things are really going to hit the fan, you need to start pulling up your own pants and saying, you know what, I'm not going to rely on what so-and-so tweeted and so-and-so tweeted. I'll read it, but mm, I don't know if I'm going to take it. Well, you know, I kind of like what this guy writes about, so I'm I'm, I'm following him a little bit. And then they write something, and they're like, oh, you know, that doesn't really sit that well with me. Let me email them or DM them a question. And their response is something that you wouldn't expect. That's where you're like, okay, I lose a little bit of confidence here, right? <laughs> so we're like, I'm just going to walk away. Um. These are the things that we need to start doing. You know, there's outside entities coming in. They're causing division. I mean, I tweeted out that video that now is going today viral. I tweeted out yesterday about that girl at the University of Virginia. And, you know, she's demanding segregation. Like you, her ancestors, Martin Luther King, all these people that champion to kill segregation, to make us one. And, you know, just nobody cares what color your skin is. She's demanding segregation. Like this is the future. No, it shouldn't be. These attacks everywhere are about to intensify to a level like, oh my gosh, it'll be like 5 million Kelvin. 
Okay. It'll be that hot, that high. The thing is, is that I, uh, you know, the, 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 the Democrats, well, I want to say the U S based, uh, arm of this corrupt organization are trapped. Like, could you imagine if California found out, I'm just hypothetically saying that the water, uh, you know, drought that they have and that they don't have water and they're getting from federal and they're getting from other places was purposeful. How would you think, how would, how would the people feel? Like, would Pelosi be safe? Would Feinstein be safe? If the people found out that the coronavirus or other viruses that uh, target specific genetic groups is not spread by air, I mean, it can be a touch, but how is it systemically sent? What if it's done through, I don't know, water? Uh, You know, these are the things, you know, they've been boxed into. Knowledge. Because now with the knowledge, you have the leverage. You know, I know a lot of us say, oh my gosh, they're all going to go down. Yes, it started. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, the hunt is on. But what was that really cool movie, Hunt for the Red October? (laughs) It's going to be a bloodbath, per se. Hopefully it's a per se. Uh, It's important that... um, you understand that the biggest weapon against the globalist syndicate organization, the judicial arm that violates our rights every single day, that violates human rights, that violates every single moral, unwritten moral law that you can fathom, the biggest weapon is knowledge. The keys to every kingdom are knowledge. And the more you know, the more they will come out and attack. And the more they come out and attack, the more you rise with knowledge. Remember, knowledge is power. Yes, it is. So what we need to start doing is discerning our sources, discerning where we get our news, how we get our news, and what we accept. And also see targeted attacks that come in waves. They don't come scattered. Oh, here, there. Oh, let me mm, take that. I'm going to say, you know, you cheated on your wife. Boom. And then it's like 10 days later, cheated on your wife. Boom. It's not like that. It's like 20 people. Raw. You cheat. And then suddenly you have scandals. You have this. And it's all manufactured. Right? They'll be like, hey. Hey, you. I see you, Joe. Look at that website. Is that you doing this? Is that you posing like this? And Joe's like, uh, no, that's not my website. Totally says it's your website. Look. And it's like, yeah, but totally not my website. Yeah. Totally says you, your picture, your name, your private information, totally yours. Um, not mine. Yeah. But you tell that to 2000 trolls that just jumped on that bandwagon. Right guys. That's what happens. That's how they're going to operate. Now there's no more mainstream media. That horse has died. They exhausted it. really. And with the idiots they have on there, come on. So an informed public always threaten those that have retained power 
by keeping you in the dark. So all you have to do is understand that there is a war that is happening. One like in, you know, old Indian mythology per se, where they were fighting sky wars. There's like a, a war you can't see, a war you can't hear, but it's happening. So just believe in what you see. Again, the corrupt arm of the government. Yeah, we know it's a legislative. We can fix that. But the judicial is the real cancer to our constitution. And that is what we are looking into. Now, tomorrow we're going to be talking a little bit more about China and some developments that are happening today. I think the Huawei thing is going to be popping and there's going to be more in China. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.